Welcome to the Sunset Community Church Podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Thank you, team. Thank you, Jamar, for leading us. Uh, it was my first time being in the room when he's leading, so, and it's uh, such a blessing uh, to be led in that way. Um, I'm grateful to be sharing uh, the word today from um, uh, Scripture, and I um, uh, just, yeah, I'm just really grateful to be up here and to share. Um, uh, as I do, I'm, I realize uh, this, this top here, I just want to draw attention to it. It's made by Sam Tutko. Beautiful. Uh, he also made this. I know it may be embarrassing him, but just want to show honor where honor is due. Sam's a, an excellent um, uh, craftsman, and I will be able to christen it when I say perseverance today. So that is, that's what's going to happen. Um, um, to start off, I, I wanted to just uh, reflect on a question that I presented to the church family uh, earlier at the beginning of this year. Um, I shared a message on Sabbath, and at the beginning of that message, I, I posed a question, and that question is, uh, who am I becoming? Um, and so, uh, let me see if this works. Yep, there we go. Who am I becoming? And uh, that question is one that I've been pondering for a good while now. <laughs> and maybe I don't ponder it enough because it's not quite the same as like, you know, what am I doing or where am I going? It's who, wh- what kind of person am I being made into, being formed and shaped into? And this question has been on my mind for a long time now, but in particular over the past couple of years. Um, and it kind of started with... Um, just some realization of loneliness that I had in my life. Uh, when, you know, we're going to be reflecting on the pandemic for decades and decades to come. But so when I say back in 2020, you know what's going on during that time. But during that time, there was a sense of loneliness in, that, in the midst of that isolation. Um, it had been maybe three and a half years or so since I had moved to the Northwest from Texas. So I've been here six years, five years with Tiffany. Uh, in five years at this church, almost, I think, in August. Um, and uh, so, but there was a sense of, like, so many transitions that happened in my life at that point that I just hadn't had time to process. I was just, but uh, one, one thing that did begin to rise to the surface during that isolation, lonely kind of period was a sense of, wow, I don't have the same type of friends that I had Back in Texas, you know, obviously when you, where you grow up and uh, the people that you're around, there's a sense of familiarity, you know, understanding, they know your story, they know who you are, your family, they've been to your parents' house potentially, all these things, and you move to a new location and you realize, I don't have the same type of deeper connections that I would like. I still have friends back in Texas, but I don't have that same type of deeper fellowship embodied here in the Northwest, here in Renton, here. At the, and so I think I was just beginning to sense that in my life. Um, there was also just a sense of um, um, dissatisfaction with my spiritual life and in connection to that. There was a sense of like, I'm still dealing with some of the similar struggles. I, I'm dealing with reacting to loss in ways that I don't enjoy or appreciate. And I, and I just have this sense of just sadness and another thing on top of that was the examples of what a Christian, a mature Christian looks like, 
like my examples begin to like crumble, you know. So what I had thought a true, mature, you know, wise Christian was someone who had all of the right answers, who could answer all of the tough questions, who could put down someone in an argument and like make some clarifying, you know, argument for Christianity. And those types of people uh, during this like time were just falling like like the house of a stack of cards just falling in 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 very dishonorable ways and you go well i thought that was what it meant to be a strong christian i thought that's what it meant to be someone who you know was following jesus it was someone who knew a bunch of stuff and so this was just kind of disorienting all of these things kind of happening together um but during this time, I, I, I just really began to pray with Tiffany, with uh, Andrew, just fight, like, I need a deep community. I need a deeper fellowship here. And I uh, was praying about that. And I want to acknowledge uh, Brian Williams began a, um, who, Brian Williams, who passed away a few weeks ago, he began uh, a fellowship of men that I, I joined in. And for a couple of years, We've been meeting ever since, and every week we meet together for coffee, We're bright and early in the morning. Maybe not bright, actually dark and early in the morning. And uh, and we we have developed a friendship and a deep companionship with one another that I'm forever grateful for Brian's um, spearheading that moment. And um, yes, I'm going to miss him as part of that fellowship. Um, but the question at that point began to morph into more than just who am I becoming it was because like I'm not satisfied with where I'm at at the moment it became who are we becoming together uh, as I de- developed those friendships and deepened and shared more of my story and you know found that they were still in the room with me all of these types of things um, loving me with me you know I, I, I talk about Lord of the Rings a lot because I'm a nerd but I uh I love, like, I've read it like five times now, and the parts of the hobbits, they have these, this fellowship with each other, this friendship, this like never going to leave you kind of thing. I mean, there's moments that that just made me cry, you know, and I'm like, that is real, but it feels like it's in a fictional world, but that's a real thing that I wish I had here, and I'm beginning to, to understand and experience that more and more. And so as that kind of uh, fellowship is happening, this question begins to morph into who, not just who am I, but who are we becoming together? We begin to process this question together. And, uh, you know, through different books, uh, through different authors, different conversations, it, it came down to the idea of we are f- being formed not in isolation, but in together. That's how we get formed. That's how our character is formed and uh, that's what I'm going to chat about today. Our character matters. It really does. Um, and we are talking about matters of character and becoming more like Jesus together. Um, I think in the West, we think a lot about individualism. We have uh, that just kind of um, in the air, you know, like in the water that we swim in. It's just we don't even recognize it sometimes, but it has seeped into our Christian expressions here in America where it becomes, you know, private is privatized, and like you share, you confess your sin, you know, quietly and to yourself and to the Lord, you know, and it's and it, you never really experience like the fullness of that fellowship with others, or the or I share my 
I confess my sin. I get to see you face to face, loving me, forgiving me, being with me through that, walking with me through that. Like, there's something about that that you can't just manufacture on your own in your own imagination by yourself. Jesus puts us into community together. He placed all of us into this community here at Sunset Community Church. So this question, who are we becoming together, is what has been like stirring us up in our fellowship together, thinking about how, how do we become more like Jesus as a community. Um, today we're going to be walking through um, a, a passage in 2 Peter where Peter has been uh, has the same kind of idea, like same kinds of or similar context that he's going to be dealing with. Um, it dovetails nicely with where Andrew just left off in, chapter, in, in Titus. Um, in Titus, we see um, uh, this kind of like, hey, you know, um, all of the aspects of society, all the different roles that we play, men, women, uh, all of these people like coming together and finding a new identity and new ways of being human together, new ways of showing the love of Christ together um, in kind of a harmonious chorus. That is what Peter's getting at here at chapter one. Um, The context of this Peter is talking to, writing to a group of Christians that are scattered throughout the whole Roman Empire. They're all over the place, and um, I think maybe have those feelings of isolation, of, of uh, like we're all by ourselves here, we're in the midst of a culture that's very not really uh, uh, compatible with the Christian faith, and, um, and so people are being persecuted, um, people are being martyred, people are being um, uh, just, just, terrible things happening to them because of their faith. And so Peter, um, if you remember, he started out as someone uh, who, if you think about an example of someone who's, who's grown in their faith, Peter's life is that kind of example. He, he started out with a very skeptical view of Jesus. When, Jesus. when Andrew or whoever came up to him and said, hey, I've got this Messiah guy, and, and uh, Peter, you know, Jesus says something about casting out on the other side. He's like, we already did that, but I mean, whatever. You know, it's like he, he had this kind of like, I don't actually know if this is real. And then he was all in, and then all of a sudden he was all out whenever Jesus was being persecuted and crucified, and he'd rejected Jesus or denied him in that moment and felt shameful, and then Jesus restored him, you know. And by the end of his life, where this is the letter, the la- one of the last letters, if not the last letter, that Peter wrote to the church, he, he is saying, I know I'm about to, to die, and he's an older man now, wiser, and he, uh, according to uh, legend, is that he died uh, crucified upside down. And um, because he was like, I don't want to, I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same way that my Savior was. And so they crucified him upside down. Um, the Roman Empire put him to death. Here's a man who, his life was transformed from skepticism and, uh, you know, impulsive, impulsivity and all these types of things to someone who is firm and solid and leading the church in the way of Jesus. And uh, he's writing to this group of people in um, scattered throughout. And he's saying, in chapter one, he's going to talk about all these things like, this is what godly community looks like. There's false teachers, false prophets happening uh, that are living licentious lives, lives that are not compatible with Jesus. And um, he's going to address them in chapters two and three. But we're just going to look at chapter one for now, uh, for today. And so I'm going to read this. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm going to read this, and then we'll, we'll walk through it together. 
you can find this in um, page 1051 of the Pew Bible. If you don't have a Bible, please take that with you. That is a gift from our church to you. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through, and I'll read through 11. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, his own glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever doesn't have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they've been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, would you be with us as we look at this text? As it, would you uh, enlighten our hearts and minds and eyes and, and lead us into deeper fellowship with you and with one another? In your name we pray. Amen. Um, so let's look, go back through it, slow, walk through it a little slower and, and consider what Peter is saying here. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. This knowledge of God that he's talking about is more of an experiential knowledge in addition to just like information that you gather or that you understand and learn. He's like, you have known God and our Savior Jesus. You have had fellowship with him as you fellowship together, as you fellowship in the Spirit. And um, grace and peace are in that relational connection that we have with him. It says, God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Um, we've got what we need to live godly lives. God has given us everything. Um, and so that, you know, when we feel dissatisfied, when we feel uncertain, it is, um, it's a hope, it's a good thing to know that God has given us what we need, everything we need for the kind of life he's calling us to lead. Um, in uh, chapter 4, or sorry, verse 4 here, it says, Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That's, that's, kind of, that's a big deal. <laughs> uh, that's a huge thing to be, talk, to, to like be presented to in a, in a letter like this. He's saying our, who we are as earthly human individuals, when we come to trust Jesus in that loving relationship, that we, when we have that attachment with God through Jesus Christ, there, hap there comes, something happens in us as we participate 
in fellowship with God, interact with him, trust him, bring our, our hopes and dreams and our suffering, everything to him together, we have this um, participation in his divine nature. Our nature, our flesh, our, the things that we um, deal with and struggle with on a daily, like we begin to change and transform. There's something that happens there in that relationship that is deeply spiritual, that is the power of God, that does something to us, transforming us in our relational connection with God. Um, that's, that is in and of itself an amazing concept, and we're going to talk about more of that as we go through this text. But um, it's, it, it's, it's contrasted with having escaped the corruption caused by evil desires. We think back to Genesis 3, the, the serpent deceives Eve and Adam to, to, to follow their desires, to let their desires lead their hearts, to lead their, their actions, to lead them into a world of pain and suffering and death. What we think is good, we, we think, okay, this is what I want. We don't think about how it's going to affect other people. We think about how we want it and we desire it. And when that happens, it leads to a state of corruption. Uh, corruption is a disintegrating type of uh, force. It, 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 we, we are um, made up of many aspects. <laughs> we have our heart made up in our very center. We've got our mind, feelings and thoughts and emotions. We've got our, our body that we live out, and then we've got our relationships. And all of this we, we might encompass in what's called our soul. Like a soul is the integrating force that brings it all together. And when we have any of those out of place, we are disintegrated. We are living in corruption. And so there's only two ways of living according to this passage. We're either living in participation in the divine nature that brings integration, or we are living in corruption that brings disintegration, that makes us less human, less um, uh, who we are supposed to be. Um, Verse 5, for this very reason, the fact that we have been given this grace to enter into this relationship with God through his goodness and greatness, um, it says, make every effort. Make every effort. Uh, whenever I hear make every effort, uh, my, you know, sometimes my, my like, I don't know what it is, in my head, it kind of goes, well, you know, it's all by grace, right? We we, it's not, we don't do something to save ourselves. Like, it's grace that saves us. That's true. Um, but in that salvation, salvation is not just a ticket to heaven. It's, it is part of that, part of getting to live this life with God. But it's for right now as well. The life of God, the life of Jesus, empowering us to live into this new creation, this new reality that he is creating, this kingdom living. Um, uh, and so it's make every effort. Um, Dallas Willard, who I have uh, exp- gleaned a lot of wisdom from, knowledge from, I'm really grateful for his ministry. Um, he says this about grace. He says, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Earnings an attitude. Effort is an action. Um, the idea that, we, that we're going to make God happier by something we do, uh, that we're going to make God, uh, uh, that we're going to like, 
you know, like an employee kisses up to their boss. Like, we, we, we think that if I just do these things, God will, you know, X, Y, Z, and that's me following my desires at that point. Um, but he's saying, no, 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 that's, that's an attitude of earning. You're, you're not just trying to, like, live so you can get gold stars on your, you know, whatever. He's saying grace actually enables us to act. Grace enables us to act in a way that um, is beautiful, is the way that God designed us. Grace enables us to live into the kind of person that God calls us to be. Grace-enabled effort. This is uh, the idea in Philippians 2.12. This is a bit of a paraphrase, but it says, work out y'all's salvation. I know that's uh, Texan for, for us, but it really is helpful to remember Oftentimes, when these apostles are writing to you, they're actually saying you all. I think the danger when we just think it's you, it's me, uh, it it becomes like kind of uh, very fearful and like, oh man, I've got to make sure I am doing right. And that's true. But it's not all on me to, to be, I, I don't know, it's, I'm not sure if I'm making sense here, but <laughs> the idea is that we, we are in this together. We are not isolated. We are not um, people that are just kind of siloed off and, you know, we got to make sure we're doing our Lone Ranger Christianity well. Like, Jesus is calling us together. When we talk about integration, it's not just integrating us and our souls. He's integrating us as a people. Um, So work out y'all's salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who's working in y'all to will and to do for his good pleasure. So... This working out your salvation, it's not something like I'm working so that I can be saved. It's I have been saved, and that salvation is expressing itself in godly activity. That salvation expressing itself in godly unity together um, because God is doing something in us. For this very reason, make every effort to add. Uh, again, you think, well, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right? Like we shouldn't, you know, but again, that's talking more about salvation. We've already been saved. We have grace-enabled effort to add. I looked this up. Um, I can't pronounce the Greek word, but we do get the word choreography from this Greek word. Choreography. What is that? You know, it's the dancing, moving, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's in sync with each other, all these types of things. And it's been getting me wondering, um, Back in Genesis 1 and 2, when God made humans, he made us so that we would be partners with him. Partners, co-creators. We're working together under his rule and reign. And he says, you are to rule and have dominion. You are to rule in the character and qualities that I have called you to, the, the way that I've made you in. And, and so there, there's this sense of also like this idea of, I don't know, choreography makes me think of dancing. And um, I am not a dancer. I have very stiff hips. Uh, but um, I, I, I've been thinking about this, how, how you, a partner is leading, you know, when someone's leading, you know, the other partner is, is following, but is also adding in their own, you know, flair, their own movements. They're, they have to participate. They are corresponding to that dance. And, uh, it, you know, they're adding to it. And um, even if they're being led, they are being, they're invited to, to participate in this dance. And I think about this word, and I just, I, I, I love the idea that God wants to partner with us. He is, has this divine dance, whatever you call it, correspondence with us, this interaction with us. 
And he's waiting and wanting us to interact and to step into and correspond with him in our lives. And he, he wants that. <laughs> he desires that. He, when I think about Aiden growing up, he's eight months. I, I've seen him get to now, we've seen him now getting to crawling stage. And we see, we like to kind of just watch where he likes to go. Like in the house, he's like, okay, I'm going to explore this room in the house. I'm going to go all the way to the laundry room now in this house. And it's really fun just to see what, where, he, where he wants to go, how he, how he does this. And it's always under this supervision. And, and we love just to be able to be near him and watch him. And I, can't imagine, I can imagine that God is, is, he has initiated. He has sent Jesus. He has uh, shown us his love perfectly. And now he's waiting for us to correspond and, and dance and, uh, and do something with him, to, to see something new happen. And so add to your faith these things. Uh, one thing I'll say about faith, faith, like what we just sang, um, I'm standing on your faithfulness. I'm standing on the faithfulness of God. Faith is this wholehearted trust that you're like standing on a rock that you know is not going anywhere. And you're putting your whole life on it. You're building your whole life on it. Faith is a relational trust in God. We say, God, you are providing. You are going to do what you're going to do. We are here for it. And we are here with you to, to honor you and to, to worship you in these ways. So when we are adding to faith, we are supplementing these things. We are building on top of this rock of Jesus. We are already saved. We are, we're forgiven. All these things. We are building now these, these things. So add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, Mutual or brotherly affection and love. Um, we're these kind of like stair step into each other um, in the text. So Peter's building upon this bedrock of faith, and he's saying, "Now add. Now that you have this salvation, you know, have this grace that's trained you, that's made you new. Um, add to that goodness. What is goodness? It's goodness. <laughs> it's uh, it's this idea of." Willing the good of the other, like goodwill toward men. Like you are postured toward others in a such a way that you desire good for them. Um, it's excellence of character. Uh, we, we correspond to, to God's goodness. That was just talked about in one of these verses earlier, that it's according to his goodness and glory that we have these things, these precious promises given to us, that we participate in his nature. So, his nature is goodness. We express goodness um, now as he is working that in us, willing the good of the other. And then knowledge. And this is more of that, that gnosis, that like information, your understanding, your learning, your growing, and your, and your, and your thought processes, all those types of things. Um, understanding how to read scripture, where, you know, how, how that all works together. Um, but it, notice that knowledge doesn't come after that. Like knowledge, knowledge doesn't come after faith. And I think this is important because character um, or knowledge without character is devastating to the witness of the church, isn't it? I think we've seen that play out over and over and over. Um, yeah, I, I could name, name names, apologists that I looked up to who later found out they just had uh, basically brothels and all kinds of things that they were trying to keep secret and hidden. And 
sin finds, finds you out. You, if you're, if you're going to use knowledge, knowledge has a sense of power that comes to it, naturally. Um, when you're dealing with truth, like truth is powerful, but when you try to manipulate that truth to gain your own favor and gain your own glory, all that kind of stuff, uh, that's, that is that's a, a recipe for disaster, not only for your life, but for the lives of those around you. And goodness is first. Character is first. If you have the infrastructure of character first, then knowledge can be built upon that. You, your, your character can carry the weight of the truth that you're learning and growing in. Um, and again, this, to remind ourselves, this is a y'allness. There's y'all to this. Like, it's not just me. It's us together. Um, we are growing in goodness. We are growing in knowledge. Um, one more thing to say about knowledge. Uh, I think we have we have like learned to believe that our character is changed just by what we think, just by like what we learn and what we like take in. Um, kind of like the idea if I put a you know, book under my pillow and go to sleep, somehow it will be osmosis transferred into my brain and I will, you know, I know Kung Fu, that, that matrix thing. Like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> God didn't design information to change our character that way. Um, what changes our character is our relationships with who, who we put ourselves around. Um, so our relationship to God, that's why goodness comes after this faith relational. Like where, when we have this relationship with God, we have this attachment to him. We have this relationship, relational connection with him where we begin to be transformed by just being around Jesus, being around each other. And then as knowledge gets added to that, we have the capability to deal with it in a mature way. Um, give me someone who uh, has character but little knowledge. We can work with that, can't we? Uh, we can grow. Someone with a warped character, though they might have all the knowledge in the world, we've already talked about that. That's hard to grow fruit in. Um, true learning, true learning is transformative. True learning is transformative. Self-control. Uh, with the right character, uh, where you're others-oriented, with the, the proper knowledge, the useful knowledge, um, you also need to know when to like, pump the brakes. <laughs> when to, like, I'm not going to say this thing now, or I, I need to say this thing now. You know, um, we, we oftentimes just go with our impulses, don't we? We just go with whatever, whatever's happening, you know, in our, in our bodies right now, in this very moment, something happens and I react to it. Uh, when I just react without reflecting first and, and, and having this others-oriented activity, like, I'm going to react in anger. I'm going to react in frustration. I'm going to react in, like, my fleshly impulses are going to come out um, I, I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to be in, overindulgent, I'm going to be overcritical, I'm going to be whatever it is. Um, I think the reason that these, this is brought up a lot, self-control is talked about in Titus all over the place um, and, and all these other places, but I think there is something to it why God addresses it. Um, because, and there's something hopeful about it, that our reactivity to things can be changed through the grace of Jesus. 
our reactivity, we can one day, as we grow in Jesus, not that we would ever be sinless, that's, that's not, you know, until we die, like, um, but that our reactivity can be transformed. Like, if someone swipes me off in traffic, I, instead of anger coming out, I say, may the Lord bless this person. <laughs> they may, may, I have a different attitude toward them. If I'm walking in character and, and godly, good, godly knowledge and all these types of things, my self-control can grow to such a way that I don't follow my fleshly impulses, but actually my impulses become changed to be godly impulses. Um, so practice this with others. <laughs> maybe, maybe get together and think, you know, all right, I am role play. I am, uh, you know, swiping you off in traffic, you know, or something like that. And, uh, and you know, what are you going to say? You know, I don't know. Practice it together. Um, endurance, perseverance is next. We need to do this daily, over and over, together. Um, we grow in this in everyday, ordinary faithfulness. Um, it's, it's just part of who we are. We're in it for the long haul. We're playing the long game here. You know, I think we, we think that this will just happen overnight, that our character will be transformed. You know, now that I'm saved, I am good. And, and um, Jesus is a lot more patient than that. Jesus is a lot more patient with us. Uh, and I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> uh, Peter talks about that. You know, we wonder, like, why hasn't he come back yet? Why hasn't he? He's like, he's, he's long-suffering. He's, you know, he's waiting for those to repent and come to know him. He's also waiting for us who know him to repent and, you know, know him even deeper. Um, God shows so much faithfulness and patience with us. There's perseverance that he wants to grow in us together. Uh, we're in it for the long haul. Um, godliness. This is, uh, you remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. This is a sense of in all of the areas of my life, um, I'm going to acknowledge him. In my heart, where my will is kind of located, where I like choose to go these places, I want to acknowledge God. In my mind, where thoughts, feelings, emotions kind of all throughout my body, like, I want to acknowledge God. In my body, in how I react, in my impulses, I want to acknowledge God. And in my social connections and relationships, acknowledging him, all of this acknowledgement, bringing integration between the different parts of, our, of who we are. Um, then brotherly affection, or familial affection. Um, there's an old hymn, they will know we are Christians by our love. And and our love is a witness. Our love is a witness to a watching world. How we treat one another. Um, and, and here, Peter is saying, treat each other like family, because this is who you are. <laughs> this really is who you are. Um, Ephesians, Paul talks about this. He's, he's saying in chapter 4 and, and other places, this unity that Jesus is accomplishing in this family of disparate people, like people that would never be related or never be connected to each other, you know, in a million years, somehow through Jesus, he is bringing us together, integrating us even closer, where we know each other's stories, we know each other's um, strengths, weaknesses, failures, we know each other's um, beautiful, th we know who each other is, um, we miss each other when they're gone, all of these things, like Jesus is creating this new family out of all of us. And that unity 
actually speaks against the kingdom of darkness in a way that just overpowers them. Like, they, they, you know, darkness, the enemy, the world even can't understand how people can come together from, you know, who, people who should hate each other, people who should never associate with one another can come together under the banner of Jesus, of love. Um, and that is the ultimate thing, love. Love is to uh, be in all of this. Um, to to the, the seventh, you know, thing that he's saying, add to your faith, love. Love is this thing that encompasses your goodness, your knowledge, your self-control, your perseverance, godliness, family, affection, all of these things. Even your faith, like God's love for us is why we can love him. Like, so his, he first loved us, so we, we, we love him. Um, but it's also a love for everyone. We become a people of love. That's the kind of person, the kind of people, the kind of church this, that God wants to make us into. A people who love, regardless if you're here in this family, regardless if you're, um, you know, not in my neighborhood, not in my, like, Jesus wants to make us people of love. Um, love for our neighbor, who maybe we still haven't met yet. Love for even our enemies. Uh, Jesus exemplified this, talked about it. Um, when our knee-jerk reaction changes from withdrawal and attack to spontaneous love, kindness toward our enemies. That is the kind of person Jesus wants to make us into. Um, verse 8, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, uh, they will keep you from being ineffective, unproductive. If you possess them like treasures, like this is who we are. You know, like um, when we look at the family of Sunset Community Church, when we look at our community, do we see the goodness of God growing? Do we see the, the perseverance and knowledge and self-control? All of these things, do we see those growing? Can we say, this is ours. This is what God is doing in us. Um, I think we can in certain aspects, and I, I think we can grow in other ways. Um, but these are, ways, these are things that we say, this is who we are. And if they're growing in increasing measure, uh, it, this is what life active looks like. This is what um, trees look like when fruit is just coming out of them. There's life and activity happening within them, and, and, and it's overflowing and producing. Um, this idea of ever-increasing measure comes from, uh, is also picked up by Paul in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says, We all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Uh, one translation says, from glory to glory. And this maybe happens very incrementally. This may not look like, like uh, now I am perfectly good. Now I am perfectly, you know. It's, it's like every day Jesus is tending faithfully to us like the good gardener that he is, like the good shepherd that he is. And he's tending to our hearts and needs. He's, he is bringing us together so that we can love and carry each other's burdens with ever-increasing glory. He's transforming us little by little, um, glory by glory. Um, and it's beautiful. It's not a linear, perfectly, like, straight up and down, diagonal to up and to the right kind of thing. Um, I remember my English professor in high school gave us a picture of that. She was like, this is not what growth, real growth in real life looks like. Oftentimes it looks like this, and she did a jagged line, you know, with dips and rises and dips and bigger dips and whatever. And then, but it was always kind of like going upward. Trajectory was going upward. This is the kind of change Jesus wants to make 
in me and you and us together, uh, ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit, His Spirit at work in us. Um, Grace-enabled growth. Um, I think I want to end there uh, at the moment, um, but I, I, I think the invitation for us today is if you are dissatisfied with where you are in your spiritual life, maybe look around you and wonder, like, do you have these types of relationships with you, in your life? Do you have the type of connections where people know your story? Do they know even, like, the junk that you have done or the thing, like, do they know you? If not, the invitation is you, you can have that here. <laughs> we want to be a church where you can come and share and be known and be seen and be loved and be not just accepted and stay there, but accepted in your mess and, and grow together toward godliness, toward wholeness, toward healing. Um, I, I want that. I need that. And uh, by God's grace, I think he is helping me experience that um, throughout, throughout these, this past couple of years, throughout friendships that he's given me. And um, I'm so grateful for that. But the invitation is open to you. If you desire that, let's talk about it. Really, like, talk with me about it. Talk with Andrew. Like, let's, t- let's sit down and think about, like, how can we develop closer relationships together where the goal is this ever-increasing, growing person. Um, one more thing to say about these qualities that Peter was talking about. All of those are exemplified in Jesus perfectly. The goodness, the others-oriented, the, the self-control, the knowledge, the wisdom that he exper- like, expressed, like the, the perseverance, the endurance that he showed through suffering, the, um, all of these things, like he embodied them perfectly. And that... Um, the kind of person that Jesus wants to make us into are the kind of people who embody that in our lives, in our real lived experience here. So the invitation is come and receive, come know. If you want that and you actually don't know Jesus, um, then it will be like, here's some information. Now maybe that will change you. Like, that doesn't work. Um, If you want to grow and be transformed in your life, you first need to be connected relationally to the God who can grow you and transform you, the God who, has the, who is the source of life. Otherwise, we are beating our head against a brick wall. We're not going to make it. We're going to be so frustrated. And, um, but Jesus promises that the good work he started in us, he will carry it out into completion. Um, we have that kind of God, the kind of faithful God that we can stand on and he wants to grow us into these kind of people. So character matters. We become like Jesus when we do it together. Um, yeah, the invitation also is for those who feel like maybe you have been this Lone Ranger Christian. And um, I, I feel for you, I've been there too. <laughs> and uh, we need one another. God designed us for relationship. So let's do this together. And pray for us. Lord, um, thank you that you have designed us for a relationship. You've designed us to be changed by, by knowing you. Um, and I pray that there's a deeper knowing of you in our church community. I pray there's a deeper knowing of you that transforms our bad habits, that transforms our uh, addictive behaviors, that transforms our 
um, relationships, even from, from sour to um, beautiful and sweet and good. I, I pray that you would transform us um, and give us the patience over time to become like trees, to become like rooted oaks of righteousness that take time to, be, to grow and to, to be changed. Uh, but I pray that you give us that kind of faithfulness and trust in you. Um, bless our congregation. Lord, if there's anyone that is seeking that kind of relationship, would you draw us close together so that we can talk about this, work this out together, walk beside one another. Um, thank you for what you've done for us in your son, whose death and resurrection. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.